In Howard County, we've seen the impact of COVID-19 definitely on residents' mental health. I would say that COVID has added a lot of new stressors to people's daily lives and also made it difficult to practice some of those more social coping skills that they probably used in the past. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of The Doctor Is In. My name is Dr. Maura Rossman, and I'm the health officer for Howard County Health Department. In this episode, we will be discussing a very serious topic, suicide prevention, and the tools we have in the county to aid those in need. Suicide is a serious issue facing our community. Suicide is among the top nine leading causes of death for persons aged 10 to 64. According to the CDC, there is about one death from suicide every 11 minutes. In 2020, an estimated 12.2 million Americans seriously thought about suicide. 3.2 million planned a suicide attempt and 1.2 million attempted suicide. Today, we are joined by two guests who will discuss mental health, suicide, suicide prevention, and the tools that are available in our county to address this issue. Welcome to you both. Our first guest is Denise Giuliano from NAMI. NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The mission of NAMI is to improve the lives of individuals with mental illness through education, advocacy, and support and to increase awareness of mental illness throughout our community. Denise is the executive director of NAMI of Howard County, a position that she has held since 2018. She helps individuals and families to get connected to mental health resources and support in Howard County so they can understand they are not alone in their struggles. Welcome, Denise, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Rossman. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I'm excited to join Leah Balka, who I've been working with extensively, and she's amazing too. So I really appreciate being here today. Thank you. Yes, we will get to Leah in a moment. But first, Denise, through your work at NAMI, tell us what is happening in Howard County in reference to mental health and suicide. Well, we've definitely seen the impacts of COVID for sure, and the impacts have been significant. These are Tsunami Maryland stats, but one in three adults report experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression. The good news in that stat is that 52% of people say they've been more open about their mental health during the pandemic. And that's some great progress we've been making towards reducing stigma. But the bad news, 31% were not able to access counseling or therapy. And that is certainly a problem that we have in the state and frankly, in the country. There is a shortage of providers, particularly for young children and young adults. But there's always a shortage of providers who take insurance. And that can certainly have barriers for many people who are trying to get care. Yeah, so we understand the impact, or we're learning actually the impact of the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, we knew that suicide, depression, anxiety were an issue. And we collectively, the health department, NAMI and our partners have been working for many years on increasing the awareness of this issue and the fact that people can get help. So on one hand, Maybe we're grateful that more people are reaching out, but certainly the fact that we don't have enough providers so that people can get timely treatment is a problem. You're absolutely right. I mean, the problems existed before 
but they've just certainly been exacerbated by the last two years of the stress and the uncertainty and all that comes along with the pandemic. Yeah, we will talk a little bit more when Leah gets a chance about reducing stigma, which you mentioned how important that is, and the struggles that many people have. This is not just a problem among a certain population. It's really a problem everywhere, right? We know from surveys that actually one in four adults at some point in time have had a mental illness or suicide or depression. And we certainly hear in the press about well-known figures who have struggles with depression. Recently, you know, the 76-year-old Naomi Judd, who the following day won a country music award. So this affects so many of us. And so I'm hoping through your work that we can help educate more people across the spectrum, communities, different cultures, age groups about mental health, mental illness, and suicide. So what do you say to our community out there? How can we expand the awareness and how do we talk about mental health, mental illness and suicide? Well, I think the phrase you just used, talk about it, is what is so important. Talking about it, we're helping to get it out there and help people to understand that it is more common than people realize. And the more we talk about it, the more normal it can become. And so having those conversations can certainly be difficult, but even starting small with, you know, how are you feeling today? I noticed you don't seem like your normal self. You know, you haven't been as excited or as joyful as you normally are. Is there something going on? And talking with people in a non-judgmental way and really listening to what their responses are so that people actually feel heard is so important. But yes, talking about it, and and the more we talk about it, the more normal it becomes and the more likely a person is going to seek help. Because as we all know, suicide is preventable. A lot of people are living in dark places, but if they are able to get the treatment and the right supports in place, it's preventable. And that's what we have to focus on. That's so important. Thank you. We also know that suicide, depression, mental illness can look different in different people, certainly different age groups. We know that young children, they may not be sad and not want to eat sort of the stereotypic picture of what we think someone with depression may look like. And also that depression and other mental health issues don't have to necessarily coincide with age groups. It's okay if you're 80 to be depressed, right? Because life is ending or something like that. And something that when I was a kid, we didn't talk about suicide. I think shame was a big part of that within the community and with families. But I also think that we thought that if we talked about suicide, if I asked someone if maybe they were considering suicide or if I knew that they had attempted, that it might trigger them by using those words. So in some ways, then we shut down and didn't want to talk about because we thought it may make it worse. Tell us how we can actually, what are the words you mentioned, some of them we can say to people that we're concerned about without increasing the risk of them actually proceeding with suicidal ideation? Well, I think the important thing to remember is that it is a myth that by using the word suicide, when you're asking someone about it, that you're putting the idea in their head. When really, 
most often they are already thinking about it. And by you using the word, it helps them to feel more comfortable to talk about it. So obviously you're going to talk to a child differently than you're going to talk to an adult when you're asking them how they're feeling. You know, you mentioned that the warning signs can look very different in a child than they can in an adult. And that's absolutely true. You know, a child may just be struggling with behavior, with, you know, keeping it together, I say in quotes, you know, at home, where they may be able to, to keep it together at school, but they may have totally different behaviors at home. And that just often is because a child is working so hard, you know, to hold it together at school where they're not in their comfort zone. And then when they're at home, they're around their family that they know loves them, then it's, you know, they may be exhibiting different behaviors. But, you know, having trouble completing activities like homework or having a hard time or complaining about things to do, chores and homework and things like that might be a sign in a young child that they're struggling. In an adult, um, we might see things like increased alcohol abuse, aggressive behavior, which you can see really in a child or an adult, but withdrawal from family and friends and community. And that really is a big red flag. If somebody is normally very open and extrovert and they are very social, and then all of a sudden you're noticing this in your loved one that they're keeping to themselves more and don't want to do those social activities that they used to. That can certainly be a risk factor or a warning sign and you know, dramatic mood swings with really an adult or a child. So those are some of the things, impulsive behaviors. Those are some things to look out for in your loved one, regardless of the age. But certainly like suicidal behaviors are always an emergency. And this would be particularly with an adult if they're maybe collecting and saving pills or buying a weapon or giving away their possessions, you know, that's an emergency and that needs to be you know, reported. If you're noticing your loved one saying goodbye to family and friends, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So thank you for sharing those warning signs and things that we all can look out for in colleagues, family members, and other people we know. You mentioned that suicide is treatable. It's preventable. So what are some of the resources that we have and NAMI has that persons listening here can reach out for or look into? Well, I would say it certainly depends on, if I were to recommend resources, it would certainly depend on the level of distress that the person is in. So for instance, with local resources, if a person is in crisis, I would absolutely refer them to grassroots. The mobile crisis team can come out to your residence if you or your loved one is having a mental health crisis, but they also have counselors on their crisis line that can help to walk you through what happens next. If, for instance, another good resource, we know that um, the LGBT community is at higher risk of suicide when they're not feeling supported by family and friends. The Trevor Project is an amazing resource for that community. I believe that the, the suicide risk is double or more than double for youth who are not feeling supported by those family members and veterans, certainly. Military, I believe it's called the Military Crisis Line. I forgot to write it down here, but we heard yesterday that veterans represent 10% of all the suicides in Maryland. That's tragic. The crisis text line is something that people can get a hold of immediately. You would text the word home to 741741. Now, if you're not in crisis, but you're looking for, say, a psychiatrist or a therapist, 
I refer people all the time to the health department's behavioral health guide. There is so much good information in there, not just providers, but also transportation, supportive living, different hospitals and walk-in crisis facilities. So I refer that all the time. That's available on the health department's website, but also I often email it to people that call here. NAMI Howard County, of course, we are here for, I like to describe it as we're here for after the crisis is over. So when families have gotten their loved one stabilized and they're looking for information. We have free education classes for parents, families, and adults with mental illness. And then we have support groups, which meet monthly. And they're so important to be able to find that community and understand that you're not alone. We have support groups for adults with mental illness. That one meets twice a month. And then adults with family members or friends parents of school-age kids, and then we have one for parents of that transition age youth group. So, and when I say parents, I mean parents and caregivers. You can be a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, but the transition age youth group is about age about around 16 to 26. And, you know, that age is when most mental health conditions are to become apparent if they exist. And so not only are you dealing with hormones and all these transitions in that life, in the young adult life, it can be very difficult to help launch your young adult. So that TAE group is really important. And then we also worked with the health department last fall to start a veteran support group. So we're very excited about that. We're the first NAMI in the state to have that, to have started that. And right now it's still online, so it's available for anyone in the state. I think I covered about everything, but we also have some, ad, like NAMI also provides advocacy at the local and state and federal level, advocating for better services for those with mental illness. And we do also a lot of outreach to schools, to faith communities. So we're small, but we're mighty. So we have a lot to offer. Yeah, it's very mighty indeed. Thank you, Denise. And for those listening that maybe haven't been able to write everything down that Denise said, you can go to the Howard County Health Department website, NAMI website, Grassroots website to find out more information. And we'll be providing some phone numbers if there's anyone listening today that wants to reach out right now. The point, you know, well taken, Denise, is again, mental illness is treatable. It's common, first of all. It affects everyone. Yes, there are special populations that are especially vulnerable to suicide and other mental health, and there are specific outreach for them. Again, you can find out more information on our websites about that. If you are listening and think you or someone you know is in crisis, you can call 211-PRESS-1 in Maryland or call 410-531-6677, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there will be someone on the line who can help. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to our second guest, Leah Bolka from Howard County Health Department. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about mental health, suicide, and suicide prevention. Our next guest is Leah Boca. Leah is a social worker and suicide prevention coordinator for Howard County Health Department. We are so glad Leah joined our team. She's all around and in the community and doing fabulous things that we will learn about today. Leah leads on the Sources of Strength program found in our Howard County High Schools. 
She has been instrumental in expanding the It's Okay to Ask campaign to focus on suicide prevention across the life spectrum. As we were learning from talking about Denise, suicide affects everyone across the life spectrum and is in certain populations even more concerning or riskier. Leah, tell us what you have been seeing about the impact of the pandemic on the mental health of Howard County residents. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me, Dr. Rossman. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about topics that I'm very passionate about, like mental health and suicide prevention. In Howard County, we've seen the impact of COVID-19 definitely on residents' mental health. I would say that COVID has added a lot of new stressors to people's daily lives and also made it difficult to practice some of those more social coping skills that they probably used in the past, like spending time with friends and family, which were particularly difficult during stay-at-home orders and some of the surges with Delta and Omicron that we've seen over the past year. And I feel like that lack of access to those coping skills has exacerbated some mental health or substance use challenges that individuals may have already been experiencing or had experienced in the past, but had under control. And there's just been such a great deal of instability with housing and employment for many people that's posed additional challenges. I also think that there's been a lot of change in general in the last two years and adjusting and flexibility can be really challenging for many. We've had to acclimate to social distancing, to telework, to virtual schooling. And now in this past year, we've been kind of thrust back into in-person activities. And that shift with our daily routines can add additional stress. And I think we've seen some of that with young people as they got reacclimated back to being in the school building this past fall. The good news, though, is that, as Denise mentioned with NAMI, we've seen an increase in engagement with residents looking for more information about mental health, reaching out to the Bureau of Behavioral Health for treatment services for mental health and suicide and substance use. So that lets us know that we're getting the word out about where people can access help. So that's one positive that's come out of it. Yes, increasing the awareness, right? And Denise talked about that. We have, it seems like more people reaching out for help. And now it's sort of connecting them to the providers and to other resources that can help them. Tell us, you mentioned a little bit about the Navigator Services at Howard County Health Department who can help people find resources who maybe are having difficult doing it themselves. Yes, so we have a behavioral health navigation program that you can reach by calling 410-313-6240. And our behavioral health navigator, her name is Kayla and she's excellent. What she does is listen to what you're going through, try to find resources that are culturally responsive to your background to meet whatever concerns you might have related to mental health, substance use, and everything in between. So we'll often get folks who call in who are also experiencing issues with new job loss or housing, or they're looking for more wraparound services like case management. And Kayla is able to do some research, kind of do that legwork behind locating the resources and provide them a list to choose from. We also have our peer recovery specialists who are excellent at meeting the needs of our community members who are looking for resources related to substance use. So I would really encourage folks to reach out to them as well. Their phone number is 
203-203-1253. Thank you for bringing that up uh, about the peers and substance misuse. You and Denise mentioned the relationship, I think, between mental health and substance misuse. And although today we're concentrating on mental illness and suicide, it's really hard to tease apart the comorbidity and the relationship between the two. And we do know that there are many people with mental health issues who use substances to self-medicate, right? So although, again, I think we're sort of artificially separating them for discussion and treatment, it's important to remember that these two coexist more frequently than not, and that there are services available if you have co-occurring mental health and substance use, and that both NAMI and the health department can help you access the appropriate services. Yes, definitely. Substance use is one of those indicators that indicates that there's a greater risk of suicide or suicidal ideation. So I'm a big proponent of using the phrase behavioral health because I think, as you mentioned, you really can't tease them out. And it helps destigmatize talking about both of them because frequently, you know, people might think of mental health as being something out of someone's control and perceive substance use as something within someone's control and don't treat it as the disease that it really is. Everyone deserves access to treatment and help regardless of any beliefs that you might have about what led them to where they are with their substance use journey. Exactly. We don't say, you know, if a person has asthma, that it's because they're not paying attention to the pollen in the air or, you know, not using their medications appropriately or, you know, whatever the situation may be. And and we really need to get to that point where behavioral health is treated like somatic health. And we think about it like that as a disease that's treatable, that we can get help, and there's no shame stigma associated with it, and parity, which we are getting better, but I don't think we're exactly there yet with the parity, meaning insurance-wise and other access to treatment related to that. Yeah, absolutely. But I want to get back to the It's Okay to Ask campaign. Denise mentioned it's okay to ask people, right? And the health department and our community, we have concentrated on the past few years, youth suicide prevention. But now we're expanding to across the life continuum. Tell us a little bit about what's happening with that expansion. Yes. So this past spring, we have been working on expanding the scope of our messaging for It's Okay to Ask to address adults and older adults as well. And because of all of those changes that we've experienced during COVID, we really saw a need for greater messaging targeted towards transition age youth, as Denise mentioned, that young adult population, adults and older adults. Those folks are the ones really, I mean, youth are experiencing it through their families, but adults were experiencing social isolation, you know, instability with employment and housing and other stressors that came with COVID. So we were hoping to expand our outreach while still including outreach to youth and families. And the goal is really to raise awareness about mental health and suicide and reduce stigma in having conversations about mental health and encouraging those adults to reach out to their friends and families when they're struggling or when they have a feeling that one of their friends might be struggling too. Yeah, as Denise mentioned, right, there are certain populations that we're learning are 
are at greater risk. Veterans, LGBTQ community, adolescents, which we've seen an increase in the United States. And as we learned yesterday, we all participated in a conference on suicide in Howard County and learning that across the United States, our individuals of color are seeing more of an increase than our white population. So yeah, understanding that there are risk factors with certain populations. And you mentioned older citizens and residents or persons living in our community. And at the beginning, I mentioned Naomi Judge, who was 76, vibrant, older person. So yes, suicide affects everyone across the spectrum. So where can I go to find out more information about this important campaign? We have on our Bureau of Behavioral Health website, which you can access at howardcountymd.gov slash get help. We have a suicide prevention page, which has links to all sorts of different resources and culturally responsive resources. And we also have images of the campaign on teenhealthmatters.org, which has a mental health and suicide prevention page where you can find that information. And soon... I will have printed copies of flyers if folks would like to put them up in their office buildings, in waiting rooms if you work in a doctor's office. So please feel free to reach out to me at lbulka, that's B-U-L-K-A, at howardcountymd.gov. Thank you, Leah, for sharing that. We are expanding, as you mentioned, for good reasons, but we're not forgetting about our adolescents and their needs. You mentioned sources of strength that we have been doing for a few years in conjunction with the kids attending high school. And I've met some of them and seen some of their artwork around the health department, which is just so joyful. Can you tell us about sources of strength, what it's about, and how youth may get involved if they are interested? Yes. So Sources of Strength is a national program that began in North Dakota and Colorado. And what it seeks to do is empower teens to spread messages of hope, help, and strength within their school communities to raise awareness and reduce stigma and having conversations about mental health. And it's an upstream prevention model. So we're really trying to have our youth learn and become advocates so that they're able to identify peers within their social circles that might be struggling way ahead of when they would typically reach out to an adult, which usually happens towards the end of that stream. So we're trying to reach youth before they get to a crisis point and to provide education on warning signs, symptoms, and spread awareness just about having conversations, vulnerable conversations about mental health, emotional wellness, coping skills, and really build their resilience through talking about problem solving and other coping mechanisms. I love the word resilience, right? Because I hope people taking home some of what they've heard today is that mental illness is treatable, suicide is preventable, and there are strategies that can help people through different events in their lives or how they're feeling through recovery processes and help. It looks like we only have a few minutes left, and I know we could talk on for 30 minutes more, but I want to give Denise a few minutes. If you have Denise, what do you want to leave our listeners with? There's three take-home or two take-home messages. Well, one of them I mentioned is don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to ask. I think that's really important. It's also important to know, and with, I mean, this Naomi Judd's death really does underscore that 
mental illness doesn't discriminate. You can seem like you have all the resources in the world and you've got this great life. You're about to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, but you know, people really, really struggle. She's struggled for, she's been a friend of NAMI for many years. She spoke at our convention and had a book signing in 2017. But so she struggled for many years with treatment resistant depression. And really truthfully, social media is, if you think about it, is, is our highlight reel, right? I mean, even for adults, when people are posting on social media, it's like, oh, these are all the great things that are going on in my life. But you don't realize or don't think about the fact that everybody has their struggles. And while maybe they're not personally struggling, maybe a family member is struggling. And so as adults, we have more of a perspective to understand that social media is a highlight reel, but our, our kids don't necessarily have that ability. What they see is that everyone's life is a lot better than theirs, but they're not realizing that everybody has their struggles in some way, shape or form. That's incredibly important to recognize. And I'm learning every day, right? Everyone has a story, but they don't necessarily tell you the story. I recently learned of the background of a family member that I've known for 40 years. And whoa, I did not know the, the backstory. And so it has made me appreciate when I say hi, hello to someone, that there's things that I may never know and be kind and listen, as you mentioned. So in the last minute, Lee, I'm going to give you, do you have two take-home messages for our listeners? I will say that suicide prevention isn't the responsibility of the individual who's struggling with suicidal thoughts. It's the responsibility of the community. Suicide really has a ripple effect. So for us to really address it within Howard County, it takes a village and everybody has a role to play. So I would just like to leave you with those parting words. It's okay to ask. It's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to start a conversation with a friend about mental health. I just want to thank the two of you for joining us today, for raising awareness, the fight against the stigma that prevents people from talking openly about mental illness and suicide in particular. Our guests today have shared great information. I hope you're listening. If you want to learn more, go to the websites. And as Leah said, just ask. It's okay to ask someone for help and it's okay to ask someone if they need help or to just listen. So thank you everyone. Have a great day. Be kind, be resilient, and don't be afraid to ask. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.